Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning is based on Isaiah chapter 61. Here, Isaiah is recording what is known as the suffering servant song. The suffering servant is none other than the servant of God, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Our words from Isaiah chapter 61 will be the first three verses and then verse 10 and 11 as well. The prophet Isaiah writes, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be clad, called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has arrayed me in robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adores herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The word of your Lord. You may be seated. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts on your word be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A Christmas Story is a favorite classic Christmas movie, the storyline of which probably many of you know. You know how it goes, right? That there you have the young Ralphie Parker, who is actually an older adult, recounting the adventures, the trouble, the, the tales of one particular Christmas when he was nine years old. A Christmas where he only wanted one thing, a Red Rider carbine action, 200 shot range model air rifle. But did you know a Christmas story is actually based on another story, a book, a novel called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. It's a novel written by Gene Shepard, and in the book, Ralphie, an adult, comes home from New York City to his hometown in Indiana. On his way home, he's, well, first sent there because the magazine he works for as a journalist is asking him to write a story about his return to his hometown. First thing he does is find his friend, meet up with his friend Flick, who 
in the movie sticks his tongue on a pole. And there, the rest of the novel recounts these two sitting around telling themselves stories, stories of their childhood, entertaining, hilarious stories. But you know what else is interesting? It's the way that Ralphie describes his hometown of Homan, Indiana. He said, Homan is a place people never really come to, but mostly want to leave. Hmm. Makes you think of another hometown boy returning to his humble home just, well, a few years before this. Makes you wonder what he would have said about the place and the people to whom he was returning. Luke's gospel, chapter four, actually tells the story. It's the story of Jesus Christ coming home to his hometown of Nazareth at the beginning of his ministry. There, Jesus comes back. And of course, what's the very first thing that Jesus does when he gets back to his hometown? He goes to church, his home church, his father's house. And there he's asked to preach. He's asked to teach. And an elder hands him a scroll. And he finds it. He comes prepared. Jesus isn't just shooting from the hip. He knew exactly what he was going to say to his friends, to his family, to the people that he grew up with and knew since he was two years old. He preaches a sermon on Isaiah chapter 61. This is what Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Talk about a mic drop. Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah and says this, this prophecy today, this is fulfilled in me. Oh, and you can't miss the reaction. It's too good to, to go past too quickly. Everyone loves it. The old women fawn over him. They say, oh, Mary's son is so good up there, isn't he? Young men are motivated by what they see. And you even hear a few amens throughout the congregation. This is what happened. Everyone all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they said. The people are proud. They're proud of the hometown boy come back home. But Jesus isn't done yet. He's just getting started. Jesus said to him, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Jesus, what? <laughs> they just welcomed you back. Everyone's amazed. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that they were looking at him and all they wanted was a miracle, like a magician performing a show. That's what they were there to see. 
So Jesus starts dropping bombs on them. He goes on a righteous rant talking to them about how no prophet is accepted here. And I have come for you, for you poor people, to give sight to you blind people, to release you captive people from the lives you're living. You hear a pin drop. And someone says, oh no, he didn't. And everybody reacts. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. You wonder what Jesus would have wrote about the people, the place that he returned home to? Nazareth is the place that Jesus wants to go to, but no one wants him there. And why? I mean, really, why? Why did people turn on him so vehemently and with such vitriol? It's because they were telling themselves a story. A story about who Jesus is, or rather, who the Messiah, the Christ, would be. And Jesus, Joseph's son, he didn't fit the bill. 700 years before this hilltop assassination attempt, the prophet Isaiah recorded the words of the suffering servant. He recorded the words of Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, speaking about who he would be and what he would do. Jesus said, I am he, I am here, and this is what I have come to do. I'm going to fill, fulfill what I said 730 years ago. He said, I have, I've come to give you a gift. I've come to give you an exchange. But Jesus offered the people of Nazareth, his hometown, his own people, was that anything you bad that you have, I'm going to take and give you good. Oh, you have captivity. I'm going to give you freedom. Oh, you have poverty? I'm going to give you treasure. You have blindness? I'm going to give you sight. You have sadness? I'm going to give you gladness. Everything that is a burden, I'm going to take, and I'm going to give you blessings. But the folks of Nazareth said, no, no, we're not poor. We're not captive to anybody. I'm not blind. So whatever you're peddling, Jesus, I don't need it. People of Nazareth were, were telling themselves a story. And by that, I mean a lie about faith, forgiveness, and Christ. So what story are you telling yourself? It was a couple years ago, I, I got to go to a conference and I got to hear a speaker up on the stage tell their life story. Their story was one where they overcame difficult people and impossible situations. And it was clear why the conference booked this man to give the keynote address. It's because they wanted him and he wanted to motivate the audience to rise to the level of success that he had, to, to, by their own determination, by their grit, overcome whatever was grinding them down. But the more I listened to this 
man tell his story, well, there was this sort of sad irony in, in everything that he said. He talked about how he, he overcame. And yet every time he, he mentioned someone who, who was, well, maybe an antagonist in his life, he, he just oozed with bitterness. He talked about living holy. He talked about living clearly and, and seeing life from that perspective. But even from a, a secular point of view, this man lacked virtue. He was telling himself a story about living life holy, but he was broken. And if the applause or the lack thereof was any indication after he was done, I wasn't the only one who thought that. I'll never forget the gentleman who sat next to me, who I didn't come with. We stood up and left at the same time and he leaned over to me and he said, that man needs freedom. Freedom from what, you ask? Freedom from himself. Freedom from the story that he was telling himself. And he wasn't the only one. Just because most days, you and I aren't up on the stage pouring out our life story, doesn't mean that we don't need freedom too. All of us tell stories to ourselves, stories that are composed by internal self-talk that position ourselves as the hero or, or people who at least, if they get in a pickle, if they get in a bind, they're strong enough to overcome, to heal and to get on with things themselves. Okay, maybe, maybe that, that dialogue, it isn't that overt, it isn't that obvious. But do this for a second, compare with me the thoughts that we have, the stories that we tell ourselves with the words that Jesus speaks, the words that Jesus speaks about what he came to do and what he comes to do still. Jesus said that he came to do this and he comes still to proclaim good news to the poor. But some of you are telling yourselves the story that I'm not poor. In fact, I live a full life. I have a job that keeps my calendar full. I have a job that fills me with purpose and fills my bank account. Okay, maybe not as much as I'd like, but enough. And yes, I have to go get eggs and milk after church today, but my refrigerator is full. My phone is full of contacts, people in my life who love contacting me and I love being with. My house is full of kids, of family, of friends. I live a full life, I'm set. And yet, we forget that we're running on empty or we're running on maybe crumbs because we're starving for the bread of life, the word of God that gives good news. Christ comes, comes still today to bind up the brokenhearted. But some of you who've experienced heartbreak are telling yourselves the story of the wounded hero. Yes, yes, you've been broken, but you're whole now. You're, you're healing. You tell yourself, I, I don't need people's compassion. I have self-compassion. But you forget, 
You have a God who is full of compassion and gives that to you. Say, I know I'm imperfect, but I'm trying to embrace my imperfections. And yet you forget there is somebody who does not ask you to embrace your imperfections. There is someone who doesn't ask you to cover up your imperfections, but there is someone who, who has done an exchange, who has given you something better. It's called forgiveness. You have no imperfections. We forget. So we tell ourselves stories that I'm, I'm working on loving myself, on improving the relationship with myself. But you forget, there is a holy one who lived and died and rise so that you have an eternal, spiritual, sacramental relationship with him that transcends all of your other relationships so that no matter who you are talking to or with or find yourself around in life, you can rest secure in your identity in him. You are whole and holy because of him. Yet, we tell ourselves stories. Christ comes and he comes still to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. You tell yourself, I'm an independent. I'm an independent thinker. I'm an independent doer. And yet the Bible's clear. Every single time that we sin, and sin, it, it doesn't always have to be these overt or outrageous things in which we break the Ten Commandments. But every time we sin, and, and sin is, is simply spinning stories in which we rest on our laurels instead of our Lord. The Bible's clear that every time we do that, we grab another iron bar and we build a prison of our own making. We're captive. We're slaves to sin. Look, how else can I put this? The stories that we tell ourselves, they're subtle and yet they're sneaky. The stories that we tell ourselves of self-help are subtly causing a spiritual problem in our hearts. So what story are you telling yourself? Have you ever heard the story of God's Smuggler? It's actually a really good book uh, and a fascinating tale. It's a story about a man named Brother Andrew who, well, he wasn't always a Christian, but once he became a Christian, he became a missionary. And actually at the height of the Cold War, he smuggled Bibles into communist countries. Have you heard the story about Brother Andrew and his monkey? The story goes that while, well, before Brother Andrew was Brother Andrew and just Andrew, he was stationed for military service in Indonesia. One day while on leave, he went into the market and he got talked in to buying a pet monkey. He bought a little gibbon monkey, the cutest little thing, and he took it home, but Immediately, he recognized that this monkey was hurt. This monkey winced in pain every time that Andrew would, would touch him. 
And so he, he picked him up and, and he looked and he saw right here around his waist, there, there was this welt, this area of, of raised skin that wrapped all the way around the little monkey. He started to uncover the fur and, and even though he grimaced and, and it, it clearly hurt him, he saw what had happened. When this monkey was, was littler, a baby, someone wrapped a metal wire around the monkey as a leash. They forgot to take it off. The monkey grew and obviously the metal wire didn't. And so it, it became a part of him. First his fur covered it, then his skin covered over it. And now it was squeezing him, pinching him, causing him excruciating pain. Can you imagine? Brother Andrew knew that he had to try something to help his friend out. So he, he took the monkey and he took his razor and he began to shave a three-inch area around the little monkey's waist. Then he laid the monkey down and slowly, tenderly, he started to cut. He cut his skin along that hardened welt all the way around that little gibbon. And there it was. He exposed the problem. The thing that was causing pain was there, exposing it for what it was. The wire wide opened. But boy, did it hurt getting to that point. The message of Christ can hurt. Part of God's word can, can cut. It can cause pain. It can cause pain because there is a wire wrapped around our heart and our soul, the wire of sin, a, a, a thing in us that causes well, pain, excruciating pain and, well, discomfort in our lives. And part of the reason why it hurts so much, why it cuts, well, because when you expose it, it leaves me, it leaves you without any excuses. We'd like to blame the fact that we're living in this prison of our sin on somebody else, that it's someone else's fault that I'm half the father that God wants me to be, half the husband, and not nearly a fraction of the pastor that the good shepherd calls me to be. I'd like to believe that it's somebody else, but, but what God's word does is it, it exposes well, my lies, the stories that I tell myself, and it hurts, it cuts. Brother Andrew did what he had to do. He cut around that and he exposed the wire, made it, made it clear what the problem was. And then snip, the wire popped off and you can read it in the book. You know what the monkey did? He jumped off the table, jumped to the floor, and he started doing cartwheels all over the floor. He jumped on Andrew, jumped on his head, gave him a big monkey hug with his furry arms around his head and was happy because just like that, the thing that caused so much pain, that caused so much excruciating, uncomfortable pain was gone like that. Reflecting back on this story later on, Brother Andrew wrote this down, and 
it's important to note when he wrote this, Andrew did not know who Christ was. He said, after that, my monkey and I were inseparable. I think I identified with him as strongly as he with me. I think I saw in that wire that had bound him a kind of parallel, a parallel to the chain and the prison of guilt and sin so tight around myself. And in his release, I saw the one thing I too longed for. Brother Andrew identified the wire wrapped around his heart and soul, the prison of sin and guilt that, that he imprisoned himself in. But he didn't know Christ. But that's what makes the Christmas story the truest, most wonderful, and best story that ever there was. You see, Christ didn't just tell us a really encouraging story to motivate us to go ahead and rise to that level of determination and bust out of our own prisons. We can't. Christ didn't just enter in and encourage us to, to cheer up. You're all right. And, you know, live with wholeheartedness. Because you and I can't. What Christ did was smuggle himself into our story. He did so through the birth of a virgin where he became a baby and was born on Christmas day. He did it so that on a day that we call good, he might take the cuts, the slashes and all the pain for sin and guilt up to a cross on Good Friday. He did it so that on Christmas day and eventually Easter, there might be a story, a story that you and I can tell one another that we're a part of. A story where Christ died, yes, but he rose from the dead. In doing so, he burst down the prison of sin, death, and the devil. And he didn't just bend the bars for you. He totally got rid of the prison of sin and guilt for you. It's gone forever. That's what Christ does. He frees you from that. Release for the captives. Healing for the brokenhearted. Joy for those who knew grief. It's the truest, it's the best story that there is. And he makes his story our story. He makes our beginning, our middle, and end a part of his story. By our baptism, he makes us one with him. He makes our beginning new. He makes our middle new by uniting us with him in everything that we do this side of heaven. And he makes our end really no end at all because for Christians, you do not die, you do not end, but you live with Christ forever in eternity. And it's all because the servant of the Lord who spoke in Isaiah came, he came, well, at Christmas and he comes still today. He came and he did what he always does, an exchange. He takes your bad and he gives you good. You have captivity, let me give you freedom. You're telling yourself a story of sadness, well, here's one of gladness. He takes all your burdens and he gives you blessings. 
You know what it's like? You know what we look like if we keep telling ourselves stories, our stories? You've heard about those prisoners of war who never hear about the fact that the war ended. A sad story. You've heard, you've heard the stories, the history of formerly enslaved men and women who they didn't hear the Emancipation Proclamation. They didn't hear the good news that they're free. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. But we tell ourselves stories that make us that by our own doing if we keep telling ourselves stories. Isaiah talked about this. He talked about this in the words that we read just a moment ago. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord has sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance for our God. You know what the year of the Lord was? It was the year every 50 years called the year of Jubilee where God would announce to God's people Israel that everyone who had a debt, it was canceled. Everyone who was a servant or a slave, they were free. That's what Jesus does. He comes and he announces that that day is your new reality. And he does it to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. If we tell ourselves our stories, we keep ourselves imprisoned in our own sin, in our own guilt. But when we hear the Christmas story, you know what happens? Cartwheels. <laughs> Cartwheels. Just like Brother Andrew's little given monkey, we experience a joy, an elation that results in exaltation of our liberator, of our God. What happens is that we experience a happiness and a joy that is not like anything that you can find in this world. It's this, I can't sit still, go tell it on the mountain, shout for joy that Isaiah ended chapter 61 with. He said, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Here's the good news. Here's the best story ever told. That no matter where you come from, no matter where you're at today, no matter what stories could be told about you, true or embellished, no matter what stories you're telling yourself, they're done. The end. Stop telling yourself those stories and hear this stories. There is freedom for you in Christ. There is forgiveness for all your guilt and for all your sin because Christ has come. Just enjoy the story. The only thing left to do is ask, well, what kind of cartwheels will you spin for your Savior? And he tells us. He says, you have been given healing so you can go and proclaim healing to everyone. He says, go, you have been given freedom so that you can proclaim freedom for those who are still held captive. 
Go, you have been given a story of gladness so you can talk to all those who grieve. Go, tell them. Go take and snip. Cut the wire (laughs) for your friends, for your family. Go and tell them that I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and he has arrayed me in robes of his righteousness. Amen.